Hi everyone, welcome to Respawn Aim Fire. I am Holden Depardo, and I'm I have with Chad, me Chad Michael Innes. We have another week now where we said, "Hey, we're going to talk about this as our main quest," and then something happens during that week that we have to add to our main quest. Add it on, and it's Nintendo. Nintendo's just it's coming Nintendo. out saying, "Y'all know what? You want to do something? Nope. I'm right here, and I'm going to put it in your face." That's how I start <laughs> sex off. I say, I'm right here, and I'm going to put it in your face. And by that, some... I mean a card that says, do you consent? Check yes, no, or maybe. <laughs> <laughs> There's a funny sketch online, and it's just these, it's this couple who are about to have sex, and they go, well, do you want to do this? No, well, I need to get my lawyer involved in this. And then, like, their lawyers just pop up on either side of the bed, and they're signing, like, consent forms, and, whoa, you just dropped water all over water your computer. All over oh, no, my no, gosh. I'm sitting in a chair like an adult. I'm anyway. Not sitting in a computer. Sorry, what's the joke that I wasn't listening to anyway? It's okay. It doesn't matter. It wasn't funny. I'm not funny. It's okay. Welcome we to the sex on. podcast. Respawn Aim Fire. <laughs> there are children listening, Chad. There are children in here. Oh, <laughs> uh, I am soaking wet on my crotch right now, though. From water. Before we jump into the show, just want to have a re- blah. Want to remind everybody that we have oh. uh, a whole new barf this week. A whole this new month. barf. Yeah, it's still the same as last week, but the same as this month. Different yes. than last month. Yes, it is Far Cry 4, because it is quattro. March, which is not the fourth month of the year. Cinco de Cuatro. That's why we decided that one for March. So, boom. Boom, Shaka Khan. Very exciting. Chakra Khan. Did you know that? <laughs> that's not... <laughs> sorry, that's not what you say. <laughs> Chakra Khan. Did you know that is not the appropriate thing to say after that? It was like, have you heard that before? No, I didn't. Because <laughs> I made it up. Okay, all right. It's Shaka Khan, except for he's very aligned in his chakras. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to even play this week, Chad. It looks like you copied me a little bit oh, this week. Oh, Holden. You You're so business-minded. I'm very business-minded. I copied you straightforward. because I played... I'm a square. Yeah, Super Smash Bros. 3DS. I couldn't hold off any longer. The announcement was there. I've been I've been jonesing for some Smash Bros. ever since I played Earthbound, and I was like, oh, do you remember back when I would main Ness on the N64 as a kid, and I would whip ass, and then they nerfed him for the next one. Hold on. And he still feels nerfed. Uh, yeah, he does still. So I played one match. I played, like, maybe a total of five matches, and I remembered how bad I am at that game. Yeah, it's terrible. It's the same thing I said last week. You're just copying and I'm going to blame it on the 3DS and having tight, cramped controls, and I'm going to say that it's slower on the 3DS... But it's I just not. still can't wait for it. I still have a ton of It's still 60 it. frames per second on the 3DS. No, I mean, like, the movement itself is slower. Oh, yeah. I don't think it, it is. I don't think it is, but I'm going to say it is. So I it's feel not. better. It's, it's not. It's not. Because, like, me moving and attacking took a lot longer, but it's not because of my reflexes or skill. You just suck at the game. I do. But I also yeah. want to talk about I'm Bayonetta. That's how the French say Bayonetta. <laughs> that's a game that I beat this week. So I finally beat Bayonetta 1. This is my first time playing any Bayonetta. I guess my question for and you is... I like is, it a lot. Yeah, is it worth the praise? Because that game got yeah. a ton of praise. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the last two-thirds of that game more than the first third. The first okay. third was very much... I mean, it is all non-stop, high-octane action. Like, you are mm-hmm. you are never not pushing a button in that game. So, it's really Wait, fun. there are some games, though, where you you don't push buttons. Uh, that's just, This is confusing for me. Yeah. Florence. You don't push buttons? Florence. Florence? No, you push lots of buttons no, in Florence. No, you don't. You tap a lot of screens. 
So, really fun. But the uh, the first third of the game is much more, like, smaller fights with kind of fodder of all of these smaller enemies and you occasionally see a big guy. And then at the end of the game, or, like, the middle of the game to the end, there are a lot of really awesome boss battles. And those are the things I think I had the most fun with. So, I enjoyed it a lot. I would say maybe I'd rate it, like, a, like a 7.5 out of 10, maybe 8. But that makes okay. me super excited for Bayonetta 2, which is getting, like, perfect scores at a lot of places. So I'm like, if Bayonetta I enjoyed one that was getting much, clo- Just to tamper your expectations a little bit, Bayonetta 1 got close to perfect scores, if I remember correctly. Yep, but it was did like it 9. get perfect? 9.5 territory. Did it get perfect? Did it but get 9. perfect? So the difference between 9.5 and 10 is not that huge. Empirically better than Bayonetta 1? The difference between 9.5 and 10 is not that big. It depends so on who you are. So I just your expectations a little bit. If you give it a 7.5, you might get this one... A little bit higher than an eight. Just saying. Mm, I beg to differ. All right, you're not gonna give it a but perfect I'm score. But I'm excited. That's all I'm saying. If I enjoyed Bayonetta one, I'm excited that that means I'll hopefully enjoy Bayonetta two even more. You played. You played. Or sorry, you bought both of them though already. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I probably won't play Bayonetta two because I don't want to get burned out right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I had the same thing when I played uh, Exodus or um, not Exodus uh, Metro last year. Yeah. So I played the first one and then like waited a few months before I played Last Light. Now here's when you need to shut the fuck up. Because I played Moss, and I Whoa. want to talk about Moss. And that's it. It was good. It was good? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it was, wonderful. it was wonderful. It is... This is one of the games that we reviewed or did in our leaderboard last yeah. uh, beginning of the month. came out like two weeks ago for PlayStation VR. Yeah. I think it is mm-hmm. a PSVR exclusive right now. Yes, it is. Actually, I think it might be a first-party game. It is, yeah. Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure. It's fantastic. It is the most beautiful game in VR. Which, you have to put that caveat in VR. Like, I put on the helmet, and I'm in this game, and I was like, whoa. So much so that I had to restart the game after the first, like, exposition. Because I was mm-hmm. too busy, like, staring at all the environments and not paying attention to what they were saying. So I missed <laughs> a lot of the story. So I was like, oh, I'm going to quit and restart. But it's beautiful AF. And then... Yeah, here it's one of the best environments in a VR game, where you really get a sense of the space. And yep. you can kind of get... It's, but it's because it's small, not because it's huge. Yep. You are huge. They also do a yes. really great job with that. Like you, if you look down at like yourself in reflections in like a nearby stream or a lake or something like that, you kind of look like something out of a Spirited Away movie. And it's really, really cool the way that it controls as well because you mm-hmm. are moving Moss with your left thumbstick and the face buttons to attack and jump, and then you're also moving the controller itself to control you, and you're holding the triggers to like grab things. And your body's a controller as well, in a sense, with yeah. moving your head around, yeah. Uh, well, your head is just for perspective. It's important for a VR yeah. game, though. But it's, it's like a puzzle platformer, more so than, like, fighting. There are fighting elements, but it's mostly a puzzle platformer. And it's so cool that there are little tiny scrolls that you can find at almost every level. And mm-hmm. might, they might be hidden, but if you, like, stand up and, like, look around this tiny diorama of this beautiful cave or this forest, then you, like, see it tucked in a corner somewhere and, like, ooh, now I know where that is. I gotta go get to it. That's cool. But it's beautiful, great mechanics, and the most adorable freaking character on the planet. I want one of those Totakus that are coming out this Friday <laughs> of Moss the Mouse because she is fucking adorable. And sometimes if you're like, if you're stuck on a puzzle and you've taken too long, she'll start to like mime or make squeaks and noises to give you hints. Like there was one time when I had to make an enemy shoot a crystal and... She was like waiting over on a cliff and she's like, 
and she was making gun noises <laughs> like a little kid, and it was so freaking cute. And then I did something right, and she's like, ah! And she raises her hand up to give me a high five, and I move my controller over there, and she goes, yeah! And she gives me a high five. It's That's so awesome. freaking super, cute. Super cute. <laughs> so I love it. I'm like halfway through, which is like an hour and a half. It's a short game, but I already feel like I got my money's worth. So I was going to ask if the game could have been played in 2D or if it was VR exclusively. But if it's, it no, sounds like it's... the interactions between the mouse and you yeah. is what makes it VR compatible or yeah. better in VR. Yeah. In my head, I'm thinking like I'm thinking I would love the ability to play it with the move controllers instead of the DualShock. But then I'm thinking like, well, how does that work? Because there's no joystick. How do I move Moss? That's weird. But man, I would I would love to be able to like. Maybe even like turn the environments. Mm-hmm. All that'd be no, that'd be weird. I don't know. It's great the way it is. It's fantastic. Yeah, and I've already seen that. Like one of the trophies. This is not a spoiler because it's a trophy and it's not hidden. One of the trophies is say, <laughs> uh, reach the end of part one of Moss or chapter one of Moss. So this is like this is, or book one. That's what it was. Moss book one. So this is definitely the only, the first in a series that they plan to do. Which I'm, yeah, I'm glad you pointed for. that out because in the all the because I was looking through all the reviews for that game in in leaderboard and all of them are saying, man, it seems this game really just kind of ended and really left it open for a sequel. Are they doing a sequel? And they didn't seem to know, but that makes it incredibly obvious that there's yeah. going to be a sequel. Yep, you wouldn't be like uh, the Lord of the Rings Part One. That's it. Right. <laughs> it's over after that. <laughs> Hunger so Games good marking mocking Jay Part One. That's it, y'all. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I hope you liked it. You have to infer part two. Half-Life 2, part two of three. That's it, you guys. <laughs> that did happen, though. It did. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I played this week. Holden, tell me about some playtime with Holden. What'd you guys do? So you talk about VR. I actually talk about a VR experience that I had this week. Ooh. I got to play with an Oculus VR. Aculoso. And was really, really impressed by it. I got to use the touch controllers yep. and everything. So yep. I went through some demos. It was not, I was like at a store and doing demos. And I was really blown away by it. Because now I've done PSVR, I've done Oculus. Have you done Oculus yet? Yeah, yourself? I've done all three. Okay. Yeah. I haven't done Vive yet. But I was really Vibes surprised by how much better Oculus was than PSVR. Purely just because of the power of a high-end you know, gaming computer. Right. I'm sure on it, a demo kiosk it wasn't hooked up to a kind of wimpy yeah. computer. Exactly, but it's kind of like when you go from using a uh, PlayStation VR with a PlayStation 4 Slim and then go to the Pro and you're like, oh, there are noticeable differences in how this looks and it really yeah. improves it. This does that very, very well, but also because it has a higher resolution screen on the inside of it, the screen door effect is really minimized. Yep. And it really made things a little more convincing. I was pretty impressed with that and it really made me excited for like what PlayStation 5 will be able to do when you have PlayStation 5 with PSVR uh, it's going to be a big difference, I can assure you that, just from any improvement in specs is going to make VR better. Yep. But I was really impressed by the touch controllers. Did you get a chance to use those when you played Oculus? They're very, very cool. Yeah. Because, like, it's not so much of pointing and aiming. That's a big part of it, but it's also how your fingers move. Mm-hmm. And it knows when you're making a grip or when you're extending one finger out. And a lot of that is just kind of based on what buttons are pushing. But it, it can even show you what button you're hitting on the face of the controller, which is one thing I always found a little frustrating about the move controllers is that I don't know what button I'm hitting. So it's, I remember like one time you were telling me to hit a certain button and I kept hitting the wrong one. I can't remember what game it was. And you had to like come over and physically move my thumb to it to make yeah. me 
hit the right button. And this I can actually see. It's really kind of eerie almost. You can look down at your hands with these holographic representations of what your hands are doing on that controller. If you move your hand over the, uh, over the thumbstick, your thumb in the holographic version of your thumb moves over the joystick. It's it's kind of wild. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Um, that feels like one of those things where it's like, oh, duh, that has to be part of VR. It just makes so much sense. And I mean, the demos were typical like VR stuff. Like one was you were um, uh, standing on an alien planet and this alien's like right up in your face and he's making like faces at you and being goofy and weird. Or then it just cuts. It, it's kind of this thing where it cuts between these different small experiences. And one of them, it cuts to you standing on the side of a building and I got really nauseous instantly. <laughs> and I'm like, what a terrible thing to jump you into instantly is you're just standing on the side of a building. Like people, Sounds fun to me. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, some people wanted to, like, look over the side of the building, and I, like, was stepping back and away from it. Like, I don't know why. Like, I just had this bad reaction to it immediately. But I was just, I was very impressed. It's my first time with PC VR. Yeah. And it really kind of helps me see what the future of that looks like. I think one thing that I thought was kind of bad, however, was um, – and it's not the Oculus's fault. It's the – it's when you record live footage in VR, they had a few experiences where you're just kind of like standing in the middle of, I think it was like uh, a town in Africa. Yeah. And, and like it was called Nomads. And it's a really cool concept. You can still tell that like the trees are farther away from you and you can still feel like you're in a different place, but everything is so low res. Yeah. That I kind of thought of like, oh, VR movies are kind of far off because those cameras probably have a lot of work. Yeah. It's tough whenever them. you take a four or even like a 6K image and stretch it to be that entire yeah. spherical thing. But a part of it too is a lot of VR video is still two dimensional unless mm-hmm. it's computer generated. Then it can, it's really easy to make it stereoscopic 3d, which makes yeah. it so much more convincing. And that's why gaming is, is a lot usually better than video. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we, when we finally get to a point where we have VR cameras or 360 degree cameras that can also do stereoscopic 3d, shit's going to be nice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But there's definitely a place for VR movies. The whole demo was you were with nomadic tribes and just sitting with them. And you kind of just sit with them. And it is a different experience than watching it on YouTube. It is, yeah. It's a very different experience because, yeah, it's like they're right there in low resolution. (laughs) I remember when I tried the Vive for the first time, uh, my friend Kiki, whose boyfriend won it in a competition, a coding, a hacking competition. Mm-hmm. Freaking stupid, intelligent people. She was like, yeah, and one of my favorite things to do is just, like, you know, jump, put on the headset, jump into VR, and uh, go sit on the top of this mountain where they have cameras on the top of the mountain. And I just sit there, grab a sandwich, eat it, enjoy the view. <laughs> and I'll do that for, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> that actually does sound kind of peaceful. Yeah. Interesting. So I did some some VR stuff. That was kind of cool. And then I did something that is um, should never be in VR, and that is Kirby Star Allies. Why not? Why do you hate <laughs> being sucked up? So I don't want to talk too much about it because I want to go more in depth with that game once I beat it, which should be by next week. Yeah. But I'm really enjoying it so far. It's a really fun game. It is getting more difficult. This is your first Kirby game, right? This is my first Kirby game, yeah. yeah. And when I say difficult, comparatively to the earlier levels right. in the game. Not that it is like, it be, Kirby becomes Dark Souls hard. <laughs> that would be hilarious. But it's fun. I mean, I like having the different kind of allies, your friends with you, and kind of combining your abilities with each other. It's, it's definitely 
clever in that sense of, okay, if I go back to this level again, but I bring someone with ice powers with me, I can go into the secret area and unlock a new world. And I like that element of it. Yep. The boss battles have all been really fun so far. I've liked every single one of them. The only thing is that I, the only times I've died have been when I am confused as to where I am versus my friends, and ah. then I've fallen down a hole or something like that. Every other, that's the only time I've died, and it doesn't feel fair. That doesn't feel fair because you don't know what you look like anymore? Well, no, because you're kind of like clustered together or like the you all get ricocheted across the screen or something like that and like whoa, whoa, whoa where am i and then you're looking at one side of the screen and you're moving forward still and then you realize that you just walked off a cliff that sounds your fault it's i mean yeah technically it's my fault but it yeah. doesn't feel fair it doesn't well, it feel fair it's just not because fair. it doesn't go your way doesn't mean that it's unfair <laughs> so i played two other games this week but i want to save that for our main quest which will be talking about the future of mobile games because i talked i played two mobile games this week in preparation oh, for all mobile this. games, that was you mobile laid in games. a crib and you just played with little things floating above you. <laughs> <laughs> the future of mobile games, yes. <laughs> oh man! Well, Holden, let's open up our quest log and see what the internet has provided for us. Let's start with some fetch quests. Ooh. We have a few of them today, and I want to start with one that's exciting to me, and that is that. Will Wright, who has made The Sims and Spore, is making a new game called Proxy. I have never played a Will Wright game before, but I think that his games are always intriguing in some way. I think I played The Sims 3 once, and I was bored. But that's just I not want, my type of game. I wanted to play... He also made SimCity as well. I wanted to play Spore when I was a kid, but I never had a computer that could play it. Ah. And it sounds like I dodged a bullet, because it sounds like it wasn't the best game ever. Did you say Spore as a kid? Wasn't that the yeah. Microsoft one that like Conker was in? No, Spore was a game, jeez, oh, like 2008, I think is when it came out. And you basically start as a s- small, single-celled organism that you design yourself. Oh, yeah, I remember And then that. it grows to become a bigger How old were you in 2008? Because I was 18 years old. I was a grown adult man. I was 15. Man. Okay. We just have a different kid, definition of kid. Generally speaking, okay. yeah. So, I'm excited. It's called Proxy. It's going to be a mobile game. It's kind of his first foray into mobile games. It's not out yet. There's no release date, but it looks interesting. Cool. And then I thought this was just interesting. This is a tweet from Phil Spencer today. Someone asked him if he would be okay with Banjo-Kazooie appearing in Smash. And he said, yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) More, like, recognition, I guess, for his game. (laughs) It probably won't happen, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah. I'm really excited for last day of June coming to Switch. We talked about this a couple months ago when I played it on PS4. Yes, that's right. Okay, that's right. Would you? You wouldn't get it again, though. No, no. no. Mostly because part of what I loved so much about that game was how beautiful it was, especially on my OLED TV. Yeah, it won't look as good. Nope. On a Switch, nope. no way. Not gonna happen. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which was like. The title leaked, like, years ago. (laughs) Finally has a release date. It was leaked and then confirmed with a teaser trailer. And that release date is... I don't know. I'm just looking at the note instead of the actual article itself. It is the paper. The note is there. Yeah, but then there's so many different apps I have to have open at once. (laughs) Did you not read the article, Chad, or did you just read the headline? No, these are new to most of... I mean, yes, I read the thing when it came out. God damn it, Holden. Don't judge me. You're not my mom. (laughs) Oh, uh, fetch, fetch! Why don't you have it up? I started talking about. It. You should open up immediately. What April twenty seventh? 
is a full reveal. Full reveal on April 27th. <laughs> Release date of I don't I don't give a fuck. Google it, okay? If you're interested in Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Google it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. September 14th. Oh, but for real though, that game's probably going to be great. September 14th. This September 14th. One's coming Where do you see it? Oh, it's the first sentence. Okay. It's it's not even, it's in the description before you go to the article itself. You're an article. Oh man. Thank you, Chad. Holden, redeem me. <laughs> um this is what I got excited about was there's a Lego Incredibles game apparently coming out. At what? And I'm, ex- I'm excited about that only because one of my biggest guilty pleasure games as a kid was the Incredibles movie game on GameCube. Okay, okay. It was actually super awesome when you're 10 years old. I'm sure, yeah. And I want to see what they can do with the Lego version of that game. That sounds like it actually a, it could be a lot of fun. So I'm excited for that. I mean, I once peed in a baby bottle when I was younger just because my sister did something to me, so I peed in her baby bottle. Not like That's coming. For, not for feeding, but like a baby doll baby bottle. It's like mm-hmm. plastic and two inches high. So I and found that, that game, fun as a kid. You found Marvel Incredibles or whatever. And this game is coming. That's coming out as a Lego game as well on Switch later this Pee year. Pee in a baby doll bottle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dark Souls, the network test that was announced for Nintendo Switch, is also going to be coming to all consoles as well. Still no date not though, just right? Just for the Switch. For Dark Souls? Oh, the network test. The so there's network no date test. for that. Yeah, there's no uh, date for gotcha. that yet. Oh, and I... here's one. Here's one. Here's one. Here's one. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just wanted to stop you talking. <laughs> Geralt from Witcher. Everybody pretty much predicted this already across all the outlets everywhere. He is not only in Soul Calibur Six, but he is also on the cover of Soul Calibur Six, which is not a surprise because usually, like in the past, the the covers Link have was featured... on the cover for exactly Link, Soul Calibur Four, I think. Yeah, Yoda, Darth Vader. Yes. Your mom's butt. <laughs> That's a rated A game. Rated A. A-O for adults only. Adults only, yes. A for A+. plus. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a few other things. The Nintendo had a Nindy event, which we're going to talk about in our main quest. However, they also just announced some random games yeah. after the event as well, which... I found a little bit strange. I'm going to pull up the list of those games right now. Um, it was three more games. They announced uh, Needhog 2, Hyper Light Drifter, and Crashlands. They have, it was like a separate event for the press after their 11-minute event. They could you know have made their event a little bit longer. I know, right? But you know what's really surprising games? to me? What? All three of those games are like really well-known, well-reviewed games. It's like, why, so why wouldn't they why not include especially? those in their announcement, right? And they included some strange games. I was actually, I think I'm more excited for some of these games than you were, but we'll get to that later. There's one what game is on. Sonic Mania Plus? I missed this. Sonic Mania Plus. Yeah, so um, they're basically adding some new levels and also some new characters to Sonic Mania. Two new characters? Oh, Super Sonic. Super Sonic I used to think was so cool, and then I realized those games suck. <laughs> yeah you just got really excited for it right now oh <laughs> uh, crew 2 has a release date if you're into that kind of thing that's ubisoft right yeah it's uh, ubisoft. i don't know it is it is it's ubisoft it's not vivendi or whatever their name is um i mean it looks interesting enough but I, it's, it's a racing game so i will never pay money for it or play it because i just don't get enough from those games there is something cool in June that 29th game, though, is the where you're in a car and you just drive off this platform and you just morph into a like, transformer style into a jet and start flying yeah also that coming to Game Boy awesome. Color. Yes. Nintendo also released a list of the top 10 selling indie games. Ooh. And Indiana Jones 1. Indiana Jones 4. Indiana Jones 5. <laughs> and they announced Indiana Jones 5 recently, All indie actually. games are Indiana Jones. There are a ton of Indiana Jones movies, actually. Because all the in- young I was indie talking about games. games. 
Shut up. You said movies. Whatever. So, uh, just to run down the top ten games. Dude, you run so fast. Steamroll Dick 2 is number one. Number <laughs> I thought you said Steamroll Dick. No. Okay. Number two is Stardew Valley. Number three is Kimiko. Do you know why Kimiko is on this list? Because it was $5. And it $5 was early on in the man. Switch's life People cycle. People go crazy for $5. <laughs> it's the cheapest game on the, on the store, I'm pretty sure. Number four is Celeste. That should really be number one. Celeste, man. What are you guys doing? Everyone listening to this podcast is responsible to get Celeste. <laughs> it's on every system. There's no excuse. If you yeah. listen to this, I guarantee you probably have a console. But also, get it on Switch. Because, like... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five is Fast RMX. I actually recommend this game. Fast RMX is fantastic. It's twenty bucks and it's basically Wipeout. Yeah, but Wipeout's coming to VR, motherfucker. Yeah, but if you don't have a PlayStation and you want Wipeout, you should get Fast RMX. Yeah, but which also, technically is, I guess it's Fast Remix is what it's really called. It was Remus, Uncle Remus. <laughs> <laughs> number six is Golf Story. I want to play Golf Story. Are we still on this list? Yeah, there's ten games. I thought I this was a five. Fetch Quest. Fetch Quest. They were just listening to them quick. off. Okay. We're just listening to number six. Keep Wait, talking, what was number Chad? six? Golf story. I'm just golf I don't story. know what it is. I'm hype I'm hyper light drifter right now. You're very you're very hyper right now. Light we're drifter. Include number the light seven drifter. is Enter the Gungeon. Number eight is Overcooked. Everyone should play yes, Overcooked. Overcooked. If you want to get into an argument with your friends, play Overcooked. Yeah. <laughs> number nine is NBA Playground. And number ten is Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. That one surprised me because it's the Treasure Trove, the Treasure full Trove. collection of all of them. Not just the one that was brand new. Okay. Okay. So okay. good stuff. Okay. Good stuff. But I think that's all the fetch quest kind of small stories we have. I'm going to fetch that quest. No game potatoes this week. It was a potato free week. Potato free. We are not on carbs this week. <laughs> I'm really not. And I'm there's a thing of cinnamon bun Oreo cookies in my pantry that every time I walk by my pantry, I go, don't you fucking eat it. Don't you fucking touch that cookie. And I have I'm so surprised far. you didn't eat the cookie because you're so hyper. It seems like you have eaten the nope. cookie. Nope. <laughs> oh, man. On to our regular side quests. Hey, Holden, See. did you know that speaking of VR, the Vive Pro got a release date? And it's like two weeks from now. The HTC Vive Pro, which comes with the higher resolution OLED displays, as well as a little bit better ergonomics, better audio for 3D sound built into the headset. That is coming on April it has 3rd. Like the- conversation mode or something like that let me find out what it's called yeah um, it basically allows you to hear it's like a pass-through mode for audio in your room alert mode and conversation mode yeah, yeah. uh 7.99 april 3rd you can pre-order it now on amazon or via vibes website but what also is exciting is that if you have a, a regular pc and you're like i want to have the regular vibe you can do that now for 4.99 permanent price mm-hmm. um something to be noted if you're looking to get the vive pro it does require a graphics card that has a display port, so it doesn't work with regular HDMI anymore. Shame. Shame. Shame, shame, shame. shame. So let's talk about that Atari box. This just keeps coming oh, back God. in the news. Why and is, I still don't why? know. Why? I really want to talk about this because I still don't really know what this is. But no, I mean, made... like, why are they doing it? Not why do we keep oh. bringing it up? Oh, I know, yeah. And they've said a statement this time around that just makes it more confusing as to what it is. Okay. But basically, they put it up for pre-order, and they changed the name of it. It is now no longer the Atari box. It is now the Atari VCS. Do you know what that says to me? When I look at that, I see Atari VCR, and I see obsolete. <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> what it's going to be as soon VCR as it launches. Too. 
But no, but it's not obsolete because, as they say, quote, it's going to change the way we use TVs. But then yeah, we're not because right now we don't use way. VCRs, and now they're going to try to make us use VCRs again. <laughs> so what they've basically said at this point, they've, they've said a little bit more. Um, and that is that it is going to have two controllers, a classic joystick, and a modern controller. The joystick does look kind of cool, not going to lie. And it's going to play like a retro box, like kind of the SNES Classic. It's going to okay. play the older games, but it's also going to have um, other stuff that's designed for the living room. That's really all they've said. I don't know if it's going to be PC games Great. or if it's going to they have their own games for it. They definitely don't have developers on board for their own system because they would have been screaming from the rooftops if that was yep. the case. But they don't. I'm just so confused at what this product is. They don't it know can't either. Just, they just said, just hey, let's a announce box. a box and let's like make up a well, – let's go to Microsoft Paint and make an image of it. And then like by the time it launches, I'm sure we'll have an idea of what it does. It can't just be Retrobox because they want to price it between $250 and $299. That is the price of a PlayStation 4. At that point, you were competing with them. Yep. No one's going to say, well, I really love those but old Atari games. it comes games. with a controller joystick. Goddamn shit. The joystick looks cool. Like, if you play the joystick back in the original Atari days, I can see that being appealing. You see but... how much people pay for fight sticks nowadays for, like, Street Fighter Five and shit like that? People will sp- spend hundreds of dollars on a fight stick. Oh, yeah, because it's the main game that they play. You're a main game. I mean, the oh, box looks cool. I think the console, the console itself is well-designed. <laughs> Is it, it looks nice. I haven't yeah. looked at it in a long time. I see it Look now. At, it's okay. Yeah, I've, on Instapaper, there are some pictures of it. A, it looks I mean, nice. It, it looks kind of like the modem you get from your cable company. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It Modems does. of cable companies look like garbage. This does look That's kind of what cool. this looks like. It looks like it does not a modem look like from that. the cable company, and somebody like cut a bunch of slits in it. No, it doesn't. It has what, the nice Look at the front frame. of it. That's all the lights that tell you your network's connected, you have connection <laughs> to the internet. Like the, That's exactly what this is. No, it's not. And then no, you'll have one not, that's Chad. flashing to let you know your Wi-Fi's down. Oh, Chad. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Ubisoft is cheering because after years of concerns of Vivendi buying up all of their shares and taking majority stake in it, Vivendi has announced that they've come to a deal and they're going to sell all of their shares. So they've, yes. they've been uh, – Vivendi's been, like, slowly taking over and they've almost purchased – more than 50% of Ubisoft's shares. And Ubisoft mm-hmm. has been very vocal saying, we don't want this. We want to be ourselves. If you take us over, then we're going to change the way things work and you're going to run us into the ground. And he's like, no, we're not. We promise. So It's not happening. It's not happening. Vivendi's selling their stake. Some of it Ubisoft is buying back. Some of it other companies are taking. And one thing I thought was interesting is that Tencent is now going to have a 5% stake in Ubisoft. Yes. Which is the company that has a huge stake in PUBG and all these other companies in China especially so this is going to help they've taken Fortnite yeah and Epic Games basically mm-hmm. um, so they're going to have a big presence now and kind of Ubisoft branching out into China mm-hmm. is going to be more possible which is kind of the big thing in the industry now is That's getting right. out to China everybody loves China and you know what I've never been to China I'm sure it's great we should they record next week's episode in China let's there, do that though. yeah let's go to China I'm not going to eat anything while we're there <laughs> but let's go there <laughs> I've seen, have you ever watched hyper. the show an idiot abroad uh yes no i haven't i was have, thinking you should watch else. it I have not seen basically that. ricky gervais sends his buddy who hates everything he sends him traveling abroad to different <laughs> countries and he has a miserable time while he's there and it's hysterical That's to see hysterical. Him that sounds amazing but uh, by watching that show i'm like i'm never gonna go to china i'm never gonna go to india he looks like he's having a terrible time i'm not gonna eat that that looks so gross so I have a story I'm excited about here. Hold on. Tell me last... one story you're excited about. 
So that's being concerned. So there's this guy on Twitter. His name is at Stealth. And he is one of those industry insider guys who leaks a bunch of stuff, mostly about Nintendo-related things. Yeah. And I've been following him for a while now. He's been very open lately about what his job is, out like his real job is. And yep. he works in marketing. He works for like marketing companies that help other companies with like posters and like distribution of their marketing across the globe, right? Yep. And he started saying that you know he's going for this promotion at work where he's going to be working with the Pokemon company. And I'm like, dude, you shouldn't be saying that because now it's going to be pretty obvious that like you leak stuff and they're not going to want to hire you if they know that you leak That's things. That's kind of true. Yeah, so I'm like, I kind of tweeted out to him and I'm like, are you sure you want to be saying this, man? And he goes, I'm not going to leak anything. And I'm like, yeah, but like other things you've leaked before, like it could really damage those relationships. Anyway, he tweeted out a picture of him going to a Pokemon meeting that happened today at noon. Ooh. And that's exciting because usually uh, when you want to do an E3 press conference or you want to do some sort of event, you plan these things out a few months in advance. Definitely, yep. And we're a few months away from E3. So close. We are three months away. We're like three months away right now. And if you were going to be talking about Pokemon at E3 or around that time frame, you'd be having meetings around I want now. E3 now! So it looks like, uh, to me, this is a sign that Pokemon's coming this year. I'm concerned that Stealth is put himself in a bad spot by being this open about it. Yeah. But yeah. what I what? He's putting out interesting information right now. Marketing, I think unintentionally. I don't think he realizes what he did by releasing that. But to me, that says Pokemon's coming out this year. I've already believed that. But I think this is pretty significant in that, pointing in that direction. Cool. So very exciting stuff there. Anything equally exciting as that, Chad? Hey, actually, yeah. There let me is. tell you. Let me tell you a story all about how my life got twist turned upside down. <laughs> You're so fresh. I am so fresh and so clean, clean. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know about how I've done a almost a 180 on Sea of Thieves. Have you played it yet? Am I going to play this game? Probably not. <laughs> But Dude, not because it's not going to be good. You were going to get it. Now you're not going to. <laughs> I, I thought this game, I was like, wow, that looks hella boring. That looks like crap. Doesn't look fun. And now since they've been kind of... Uh, basically what's ch- been changing my mind is how right Microsoft has been doing things recently. Mm-hmm. The Xbox Games Pass. Game Pass. Singular. Game Pass, yeah. Xbox Game Pass, making it available day one on there. I was like, well, that's instantly going to boost its player base. It is a multiplayer-focused game, which means that that's now gonna have people are gonna have a lot more people to play with because more people playing your game, better time mm-hmm. playing it with, since it's multiplayer. Yeah, but there have been so many things that have come out this week that have led me to believe that Microsoft is putting a lot of care and polish into this thing. One of them is the achievements list. Have you read through some of these achievements? I have not, Chad. All of the achievements on this game are riddles. So they don't say oh, that's, that's cool. They don't say Wait. collect five gold doubloons, go here and dig up a treasure chest, complete chapter one. They're all the descriptions are riddles, and you have to think about what that not riddle the is titles, about. but the description of the achievement. Right. Okay. I say because if the descript if the title was a riddle, that's kind of backwards because then you get the achievement and see the riddle. But I see what you mean now. Right. Some of them are a little easier to to discern than others, like um, Eye of Reach says, head to the weaponsmith to extend your reach. Please excuse the pun. It was a figure of speech. And what you have to do is buy a weapon to get that achievement. Oh, it's not the treasure chest? No. No, it's not. 
What's another one? Um, let's see. How appropriate you fight like a chicken is the name of the achievement. And the description says, when an attack is blocked, then fret you may, as being counterstruck will ruin your day. Is that one also in a treasure chest? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. So, like, that kind of thing is like, you know what? They took an extra step and made their achievements list really great. Here's Mm -hmm. step number two they took. They've been taking feedback from users in the last two events really seriously. And when a customer said, and when a player says, you know what would be great, Microsoft? Can you put a day one patch in Sea of Thieves? But instead of making it like a game patch, can you literally just make it an eye patch with a number one on it? And guess what's available to buy today? A day one patch, and it's an eye patch with a number one on it. (laughs) That and the Xbox One controller that they designed for it that I just got in the mail today, that looks fucking sweet as hell. Look at our Instagram. I just posted a pic of it. It's pretty awesome. Like, the small attention to detail on there, the compass on the joystick, the little water droplet kind of embossing on it, the one gold tooth trigger. Like, all of the thought that they're putting into this game makes me think that it's going to be a really awesome and fun experience for those who play it. My problem is, I read a Kotaku article today that kind of confirmed what I was thinking about, but playing it by yourself probably is super boring. And apparently, yeah, it's super boring to play by yourself. And I have no one to play it with. So that's why I'm probably Sorry. not going to play Sea of Thieves. Don't have an Xbox. Otherwise, it probably would play it with you. Tom has an yeah, Xbox, probably not. but I think he's more of like a couch co-op person than an online co-op person. Ah, uh, yeah. And then I'm, I'm just not too why keen don't you on bring, playing with strangers. Why don't you bring your TV to his house and your Xbox and your Sea of Thieves controller? Have you seen my TV? No, you haven't seen my new TV. No, I, I mean, I've seen pictures of it, but it's not enormous. the TV. Did I send is you pictures he- of it? Yeah. Okay. I've seen it. It's a it's what is it it's black, right? No. No. It's teal? No. It's mango. It's a floral bed sheet. It's a floral bed sheet. And I draw the pictures of whatever it is I want to watch on the bed sheet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Horizon Zero Dawn looks amazing. So I've kind of done a one eighty on Sea of Thieves. I I again I probably won't you've play done, it, or maybe I'll like dive a, into it for a little bit by myself or maybe find a stranger but you feel like 128 degree on Sea of yeah, Thieves you're still yeah. not gonna buy it I really appreciate all the hard work and thought and polish that Microsoft is doing with this game so I, I hope it's successful and I think it will be speaking of thoughtfulness I think that Jack Trenton's new company is very thoughtful Oh, and I want to talk about that so Jack Trenton was kind of the head honcho of the PlayStation's and then he left. For a left. long time. Very long time. I mean, since 95. Very long time. He was with Activision before that. And he has a new company that's basically going to help finance indie games. Yeah. And I think what's really cool about this is that his goal is to back the game, not the company, but the game. And then the company still owns the rights to that game. Yep. That's yep. huge. That's huge, I think. Because that totally could have been just a, oh, cool. Um, they released a new indie game called Bastion. We're going to release a bunch of sequels to Bastion now because we have the rights to it. And no, he's like, no, we're going to help these guys just make their game and get it out there. We're going to help them publish it. And then, like, we're going to wipe our hands clean of it. And that's it. We'll move on to the next game. You got it, I think it, that's Jack. awesome. Hi, I'm Jack Tritton. <laughs> <laughs> I like Jack. So just, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see what comes from that. I think he also, I mean, he... Being head of PlayStation kind of helped get some of the really big PlayStation IPs out there, which is kind of what he sounds like he'd be doing for uh, 
for indie games is kind of figuring out, okay, what are these big indie games going to be? Let's help push them and get them out there. He's, we know he's good at that because that's what he did at PlayStation, finding their exclusives in the PS2, PS3 era, good. PS1 era too. So that's all great stuff. Very excited to see what happens there. Hold for yeah. these last two quests. I see you've made some notes on them, so I'm going to let you read the rest of them. I've made notes on all these stories. I know. Your mom. And all of them stories. So, okay, so let's start with Assassin's Creed 2019 rumors. This is actually uh, on comicbook.com, but it's written by another guy I follow on, on Twitter named Liam Robertson. He does a lot of um, uh, kind of leaks and that kind of stuff. He has a really good track record. And basically what he's saying here is the next Assassin's Creed game uh, started development, heavily in development, beginning of last uh, of last year. So beginning of 2017. It had been kind of getting worked on because they were going to include it in Origins. They were going to have Greece, which is the new setting. It was going to be part of the new game as well. Wait a minute. Go back and... Like Greece with John Travolta? Yeah, I know. I'm really surprised. It's a big deviation from for Assassin's Creed, the most modern yeah. version yet. You're going to be climbing into your little... Oh, shit, I just totally blanked. That's that all right. Be totally, that's all right. Totally landed it. Musical totally theater landed that and, joke. and that's not your... That's not your... <laughs> I was gonna say it's convertible. Like you get in your leather jacket, you're convertible, and you fight the Templars. That's how it plays out. But no, it's gonna be in Greece, is in like ancient Greece, and they're gonna have Egypt and ancient Greece kind of be part of the same game. They decided to just focus on Egypt. Good. So they've been kind of tampering with this Greece setting, and they went hardcore development in 2017, and they're gonna release it in fall of next year. Um, so that's looking pretty exciting there. Um, still probably not gonna play it because. I don't really play the Assassin's Creed games, but they've gotten better with the new one, it sounds like. Yep. It's going to be coming to Xbox One, PS4, and PC, is what the rumor's saying. That kind and... of aligns, too, with the, the rumors that, or with that, what them saying, like, are we going to have an Assassin's Creed every year? And they said, well, right now we're focused on Origins. Yeah, exactly. So we might not see one this year, so that kind of goes along with this. Mm -hmm. And the sources for, I mean, he doesn't say who the sources are because he wants to keep that anonymous for obvious reasons. Right. But he, he said it's the same guy who gave him the um, development information on Assassin's Creed Origins. He gave the setting for Assassin's Creed Origins, the final name, and even showed off artwork for it. So that's the guy who probably knows what he's talking about. So this seems pretty legitimate. It also just seems like a cool uh, environment to have an Assassin's Creed game in. Yeah. One of the big things, and there's actually apparently a boss battle in Origins where you fight an Egyptian god. Ooh. And we all know that the, the Anubis? Greeks, yeah, the Greeks had some gods you can fight. This is basically going to be God of War Assassin's Creed with probably not worse combat with worse combat. <laughs> um, so that's exciting there. And then something we talked a lot about last year, but we get to talk about it again now. Ponies? No, close. Star Wars Battlefront Two. Oh, you mean about on the podcast? On the podcast, we discuss yeah. ponies a lot in our off time. <laughs> we do. We're a big fan. <laughs> big fan of My Little Pony. We're we talk bronies. about it all the time. <laughs> so Battlefront Two, they talked about EA talked about you know scrapping their um, microtransaction system and they're going to come back with it later on. And now they're doing it, and it is specifically cosmetic based. Good. You it is, do it. So thank goodness for that. You still get the star cards, which is the progression system. Um, that used to be the only way that you could uh, progress. And you can still do it that way, but it's not tied to money anymore. Anything is going to be like getting different outfits or different crates with kind of different emotes or poses. And that's going to be coming out in April. So one thing that I think 
you either misquoted or I misunderstood you. Progression yeah. is not tied to star cards. Star no. cards are tied to progression. Star cards are tied to progression, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, progression is, they've completely revamped that, and it is now achievement-based and not based on random The quote boxes. here is, if you earn enough experience points to gain a, le- uh, a level for that unit, you'll receive one skill point that can be used to unlock or upgrade the eligible star card you'd like to equip. So you're getting experience points that then you get star cards with. So it's still tied to the star cards. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. But yeah, yeah it's, it's not random. You get to now choose. Exactly, yes. Gotcha. That's the big difference. It's not, it's not random anymore. Um, in April, they're going to have an in-game store as well where you can just buy the character customization options directly with either credits you get from playing the game or from crystals, which is the real money currency. Gotcha. Does they still have multiple currencies. Uh, not as many people know, but I'm curious how many will come back because of this. I doubt that many. I, I They can still release a Battlefront 3 and be fine yeah but this game i think is kind of shot yeah shoot it in the head old yeller (laughs) (laughs) but that's all the major news we have from our uh quest nelson's news but now we have two main quests to explore together here shit holden can we start with that giggly nindy event yeah so we're just gonna there wasn't a whole lot to talk about it's only 11 minutes long so we're just going to kind of run through the list of all the games. We're going to share our thoughts with it. Yep. And I'll kind of really do the release dates as we go through as well. And I'm also going to point out what games were first on Switch. I thought that was pretty notable. A lot of these games were either exclusive or first time on Switch, which I think is a good thing for Nintendo. So first off was Mark of the Ninja Remastered. That's coming out in fall 2018. Finally had Fantasy Strike, summer 2018. Just Shapes and Beats, which is summer 2018, first on Switch. Mm-hmm. This game mm-hmm. looks pretty cool it looks great i'm very excited for that game yeah garage which is a top-down shooter which they deemed ultra violent it's coming in spring 2018 also first on switch adult swim has a game called pool panic coming in 2018 switch exclusive bomb chicken that was switch exclusive for pool panic yeah switch exclusive okay Uh, bomb chicken is a first on switch this summer luminous remastered spring 2018 it's may they've officially said it's may uh, Reigns, uh, Kings and Queens is spring 2018. Lightfall is spring 2018. West of Loathing is spring 2018, and that is also a Switch exclusive. Um, Podea, spring 2018. The Messenger. Poda, Poda? okay. Um, The Messenger, summer 2018. Bad North, first on the Switch, summer 2018. And then Banner Saga is coming summer 2018. They also said the first two games are going to be coming uh, before that as well they said soon great did you all that's catch all of those there's gonna be a test on that yeah there was that was a lot of games but they're not all important so i don't want to spend a lot of time on each one of them but what were the big standouts for you just shapes and beats i'm very excited about it kind of looks like a badass version of sound shapes do you get to create your own stuff though oh i, I don't, don't think know. i don't know that's not what i played sound shapes for i played sound but shapes it... for the cool music and the soundtrack and the the art style yeah, this kind of looks like a it's a, it's a rhythm game, obviously, just yep. beats, shapes and beats. But it's also like a it's a side scrolling shooting game. Is what it kind of think as well. Side scrolling shooting game. I didn't get that from it. But I think there's like a shooting element to it as well, is what from what I saw. They played it so quickly, I couldn't quite tell. But it looked like there was some sort of like shooting element to it as well. Gotcha. Or at least you're avoiding obstacles as you're moving quickly through the environments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, pool panic, oddly enough, 
Like I was it like, looks so strange. It looks. It's from Adult Swim Games, but it like the art style looks very Rick and Morty and Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. And I, and it looks when I first found out, it's called Pool Panic. I was like, oh, and it's, everything's kind of centered around billiards, but it looks like really mm-hmm. weird, fucked up versions of billiards. And I thought to myself, you know what? Golf is boring, but Kirby's Dream Course on Super Nintendo is a super fun way to play golf. And pool and billiards is boring, but Pool Panic looks like a really fun way to play pool. So I'm excited to play that game. I'm happy for you, Chad. Uh, one game I didn't give a shit about was Luminous. <laughs> and then uh, I think you're just saying that because that's my most anticipated game from the I list. I was about to text you today and be like, Oh my god, did you see there's this crazy weird game you've never heard of called Luminous coming out today? Uh, the Messenger looks like a pretty cool game, too. What was that one again? I don't remember, but I remember the name The Messenger, and I was like, <laughs> I thought that looked cool. Messenger. Hold on, I'm going to click on it right now. Oh, yes! That's the one where it's like you're 8-bit, and then you can switch into this dream world where you're 16-bit, and you're this ninja going around all the time. I thought that uh... one looked really cool, too. And it, it looks oh. very much like a like a platformer from the Super Nintendo days. Oh, right. It goes between 8-bit and 16-bit. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I remember yeah, that one yeah, now. Yeah. That does look kind of cool. Yeah, there's only... Cool. Yeah, there's only one game that really got me super pumped, and that was Luminous Remastered. Yeah. Just coming out in May. Um, oh God, I just love Luminous so much. It's probably easily my favorite Vita game that I had. Yep. And if you remember when you were talking about the Vita uh, a few a few weeks ago, I mentioned how I would buy a Vita again just to play Luminous. And I was yep. almost going to do it recently, and I'm glad I didn't because it's coming to Switch. Yeah. Yep. I'm so pumped. No so back touchpad, though. Pumped. Yeah, there's no back touchpad, which actually was nice on Luminous because you could tap to the beat and get like an extra bonus that way. Yeah. Um, but um, one more game. Sorry, yeah. I saw Lightfall. 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 There was I, apparently this was like the reveal, or maybe there was a for like something new about it that was revealed. They spent an extended amount of time on Lightfall, but that's the one that looks like it borrows, or um, obviously it doesn't borrow because it was probably in development at the same time. But it looks a lot like Celeste, the two mm-hmm. D platforming part of it. Yes, yeah, so it's the one where you have the platforms you can kind of create as yeah, you're jumping. You're like have this magical box that that does look pretty cool. Yeah, and jumping back and forth. They had a cool speedrun mode, too, where there's literally, like, a wave coming from behind you that you have to stay in front of. Yeah. That looked kind of cool. A tato wave. A whole wave of tattoos. But yeah, it was a pretty small event. There wasn't too much to it. Um, but it kind of hit me when I saw Luminous, and I got so excited for that one game. It kind of hit me that these events are meant to show off as diverse a... Uh, collection of games as possible to get that excitement from at least one of those games for you yeah and i got so excited for luminous that these announcements all of them today were worth it because i got luminous coming to switch it's also coming to ps4 xbox and pc as well but i don't care i want to play that on the go yeah that's how i want to play this game i think of all of these i'll probably only end up getting just shapes and beats i might get that one too it depends on how well it does bomb everyone online seems to be really excited for bomb chicken Bomb Chicken, uh, that's that seems like a game that everyone online would be really into. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's all for the the Nindies event. The I think Nando's is, event, Nando's Perry Perry. This is chicken. the last thing we'll hear from Nintendo until E3. So yeah, 
that is that is it. But it's not the last thing we're talking about this week. Oh shit! We got more. We got more. Welcome to Target. <laughs> so, like, what last week we promised we were talking about the future of mobile games and it didn't happen. Aww. So we made sure we were going to talk about the future of mobile games this time around. Oh yay! It's just kind of conversation around like what mobile games are, why they're different from other platforms. And kind of how they've been changing and what we think will kind of happen in the future as a result of some of that change. Cool. And I wanted to start off with just kind of like what do mobile games do differently? What is it that distinguishes mobile games from console games, from PC games, from traditional handhelds like 3DS and Vita? Yeah. I think what what I love most about a good mobile game, usually I don't like mobile games that are ports of other games or mobile games that mm-hmm. like they've... When a mobile game is good... It has been built ground up to take advantage of all the different parts of your phone. Yeah. Things that come to mind are um, like Florence that we I just talked about last week that you played this week. Or Sword and Sorcery, Two Brothers. Like those kind of games that take advantage of every part of the screen and the gestures that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that kind of stuff that that makes them unique and makes them playable. But when you try to force a whole bunch of buttons onto the screen that don't belong there to begin with, that's when they're like, oh, that's, that sucks. We'll so, get to that. I definitely want to talk about kind of console games or pocket editions of games. Yeah. I want to talk about that. But I do want to talk about what you kind of mentioned there, which is like Florence, which is, I just played it this week. It's kind of this really beautiful narrative game with really no dialogue, or but it it uses the touchscreen in interesting ways to kind of, show this evolution of a relationship yeah. from beginning to end and it's really touching how it, how it works but there are just these small little things that like kind of kept me engrossed in it and that's to like how an iphone can vibrate in kind of those very specific nuanced ways yeah and you can kind of like feel the different vibrations you're pushing it kind of like absorbed me into the game more or like you have the when you're having this argument with your boyfriend and you're kind of putting the puzzle pieces together to form the conversation bubble really quickly. Yep. Or how uh, when you first talk to, to him, the bubbles are, are it's a more complicated puzzle. But as the conversation goes on, it gets easier to talk to him. So it's easier to put the puzzle together. And there just aren't kind of experiences that you would pay $40 on a 3DS for. Right. This is like, hey, let's be experimental. Let's try something unique. It's going to cost a few bucks. Let's try something. Yep. I think experimentation is a big thing of what I think makes mobile games unique. They might not always be good. There's a lot of garbage. Oh, there's so much trash. So much trash on the mobile markets. But you get these these really unique gems occasionally. I would I would even say though that like yeah I agree with you that mobile games are beneficial when they utilize most aspects of the phone. But there are other examples too, like Monument Valley. I mean, yeah. Monument Valley could have been on a console. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily require touch. I think it's better on a touchscreen because you're going to have that direct input. But like that's just, again, a game that, oh, it's a few bucks, I'll try this out. The developers were kind of willing to take that risk in a way that they they wouldn't have otherwise. And I put a note in here that kind of confused Chad, but I'll explain it now, and that's handheld PCs. Yeah, what is that? What are, what are you talking about? So basically, the idea is that you know when you're putting a game on... Uh, PS4 or you know Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, it has to get approved by those companies to get on there. And yeah, there's Steam. You have to kind of go through them to get approval. But you can also just put a game up there. 
and just kind of see what happens with it. Yeah. And you kind of have that with the mobile store, which is that, hey, I have this random idea. This idea means a lot to me. It might not mean anything to anybody else, but I'm going to make it and throw it up there. And I think in that sense, they're kind of like these like handheld PCs where it's more open for people uh... to kind of throw things up there than you'd get on consoles or like the Vita or something like that. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> so that's what I mean by handheld PCs. Okay, okay. Or like games I just think would never work on consoles, and that's like a game like HQ. Oh, definitely not. Although Microsoft tried to do that a few years ago. There was an Xbox game, and it was a live game show. That you like, you win money on as well. It was it was only like a, a few dollars mm-hmm. or something like that each game, but that was like, God, I wish I could remember what that was. It was like six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe it could work on the console, or maybe it maybe, didn't. I and don't, failed. I don't think it would because I think what makes HQ work so well is, like, over Christmas I was hang- I was with my family. We had like, we have a large family. There was like, twenty people in the living room, all yep. hanging around talking, and our, all our phones buzzed. For HQ to start at 3, 3 p.m. And we all got excited and we all pulled our phones out to participate in HQ together. And yep. if we had to be like, oh, guys, it's 3 p.m., let's all get the Xbox set up and connect the controllers so we can all play this live game show right, right. now. I just don't think that would work. And There's I think something that also, you said for that accessibility. That Exactly, the accessibility. But also just, and this ties into the accessibility as well, is the mobile connection. Your your connection with AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, Sprint. If you're in another country, don't have those carriers. You know what I mean? Um being able to be on the train and being like, oh, it's HQ? Sure, why not? I got some time on this train. I'll go ahead and, and play this. Like, games like that I just don't think would work very well on consoles. So it's kind of that instant access as well. It's a big part of the mobile game experience. Yeah. But also now we have AR. Augmented reality. Games... Pokemon Go! <laughs> games haven't really... There hasn't been a major change in how you could game on an iPhone, arguably since iPhone 4 when gyroscopes were added. But it's really just been an accelerometer. This is not just iPhone, but I mean, Android phones as well. But accelerometer, touchscreen were kind of the main ways of interacting with the mobile game. I mean, were gyroscopes you, not on the original iPhone? No, they weren't on until the iPhone 4. How did you control Super Monkey Ball? It had an accelerometer, but it didn't have a gyroscope. Hmm. So you could still do the motions. They just weren't as uh, as precise as they are with a gyroscope. Gotcha. I know this because I watched the keynote this week to find out. Interesting. Yeah. And I think it was day one of the App Store coming out, which is the big, the first big time that mobile games were uh, palatable, was Super Monkey Ball. Super Monkey Ball was on the App Store day one. Yeah, I remember having I remember I, iPod Touch. Paid 20 I bought bucks it day one. It. I was super pumped. It wasn't 20 bucks. It was 10 bucks. Was it 10 bucks? 10 bucks, yeah, 10 bucks. It's expensive as hell. Just kidding. I mean, that sounds expensive <laughs> for an app. Just it does. But back then, that, that they were figuring out what the, what the pricing was, yeah. And games haven't really changed that much in that sense of they've been moving your accelerometer or touching the screen. It's kind of been the gist of what mobile games have been utilizing. Yeah. For the most part. Maybe some include the camera in some way. But AR is kind of that next, I think, big thing that mobile games are going to experience. Have you like played... Pokemon Go. Um, fuck, fuck, fuck. What is the name of it? Hold on. I haven't played fuck, fuck, fuck now. No, I deleted a whole bunch of stuff from my phone two days ago. 
I think it's called uh, Nightfall AR. K-N-I-G-H-T-F-A-L-L. No, I haven't heard of this one. I haven't played that many AR games, actually. It, a friend of mine showed it to me at work, and you point your phone at the table, and it like builds this this medieval thing for you to play with. and It's it's really cool. You should check it out. It's free. Hmm, I'll check it out. Yeah. But I think in terms of like the next big interaction paradigm with uh, mobile, it's AR. I think it's yeah. kind of the next big thing that we're going to be seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not I think be strapping just... cardboard to your face and doing VR. Eventually, yeah, but I think it's a little bit farther off on mobile than we would like. If you've used those mobile VR headsets, they're really not good. No, they're not. The, the latency is awful. They're just nauseating. Also, they're not the experiences great experiences. Aren't fun on them because they're all just like stationary. Yeah, you can really like turn your head left and right, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, I think beyond AR, the the other enhancements have just been polished just because there's been more experimentation figuring out what these mobile devices can do. Games have just gotten better because the mechanics have improved for the right. most part. But other than that, I think that's kind of like what makes mobile different is that experimentation. Anyone can post anything. Yeah, it's if kind you of have a... an idea, you can pay 99 bucks, become a developer, and mm-hmm. get your shit out there. Exactly. But then these big companies decide that they want to have some fun with mobile games and you get things like this week we had three games announced that were these pocket editions yeah we have arc on mobile PUBG on mobile and fortnite on mobile that's crazy it's crazy yeah I, i'm surprised by that i thought we kind of learned that lesson already i mean from how successful they are maybe they just learn something new and they're doing it differently and it works i haven't played it have you played fortnite you well, Fort- you did, right? I, I downloaded both of them, uh, but Fortnite's invite only. I don't have an invite oh, for right. it. Um, but PUBG, I did get the chance to play around. And for starters, I actually totally see the appeal of that game, having now played it. Yeah. It's pretty fun. It's it's very, very fun. And I will say the controls work better than I thought they would, but I still felt like I couldn't be nearly as precise as I would be if I was playing with a controller. Yeah. It was clearly designed for a controller. Yeah. Like, little things like... You just move your on your left thumb controls your movement, and then you use your right thumb to control the camera. The camera's looking. Yep. Then you have these virtual buttons for jumping and shooting, and oh, like when I had to pick up items off the ground, what a gigantic pain in the ass that was! Like I had a uh, a handgun that ran out of bullets, and I was able to pick up an assault rifle. Like, I want the assault rifle. That seems like it'll be more effective. I go to pick it up, but because it's a touchscreen, I hit it again, and then I picked up the pistol again. And then I kept switching back and forth between them over and over and over and over again. And I'm like, if someone comes over to me now and kills me now because of this, I'm going to be really pissed. Luckily, that did not happen. But it was just, it clearly wasn't ideal. From what it sounds like, PUBG, as opposed to Fortnite, PUBG's already been out in China and mobile for a couple months. Yeah. Um, but from what it sounds like, PUBG is a less, I mean, all around on all systems, it's less polished. But it was definitely almost like a, seems like a reaction to Fortnite this week. They're like, oh shit, maybe we had plans to release it in the US, but we wanted to polish it first. But Fortnite just came out and we can't you let know, them have it. I, I wouldn't say polish was its biggest issue. But I was actually surprised like, by how well it ran, how good yeah, it looked. But Fortnite, one of the not I guess it is a part of polish, but Fortnite apparently from what I've been reading about the mobile version is that they have made some changes to the way that it works and rather than just throwing an overlay of touch controls on top of it, that things do work a little bit differently on the mobile version mm-hmm. and they've made some adjustments because you're playing on a mobile platform. 
The advantage that PUBG has, however, is that there is no crossplay for PUBG. So if you're playing on the mobile version, you're only fighting people who are having an equally as difficult time playing than you. Okay, that's actually good because that is not apparent when you're playing the game. I thought I was actually playing against PC players, in which case I was surprised that I did as well as I did. I came because my group and I came in the top 15 out yeah. of 100 people. Um, so I'm like, there's no way that the PC players are this bad. There's just yeah. no way. <laughs> but now this makes a lot more sense. Because yeah. it would be a really poor disadvantage where I'm playing this tiny little screen. I can't see a guy who's super far away. But if I have a gigantic PC monitor... I'll have a better f- view of what's happening around me. Right. So that's actually really good to know. It still isn't ideal, though. And I don't know how ARC is going to play because it hasn't come out yet, but it's another example of that kind of pocket edition. But yeah. I think there are good pocket editions, though. Like, you have uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen. Did you play that one yet? Uh, not yet. It's on my phone, but I haven't played it yet. All the controls are revamped for touch. Yeah. And see, that's, that's when they do it right, when they redesign the entire game based around it rather than throwing a, a mm-hmm. an overlay on top yeah but there are these games that would try to mimic what it was like to be uh like call of duty i think it was called modern combat oh yeah and those were terrible they would just try to be a first person shooter using twin stick and they would advertise like twin stick shooter on iphone or there's one called nova which is the same um same thing i played nova nova, I played two, nova and two and three they were actually good. They weren't bad at all. Yeah, they but were okay. It, um, for a mobile game, they were not that bad. Yeah, and especially at the time, like they were. That was five or six yeah. years ago. They Nova were definitely standard out. setters for sure. But I think that we're seeing less and less in that kind of stuff. And now we're seeing a lot more of kind of arcadey, like Candy Crush style games, like puzzle games, things like that. Yeah, I think what I'll be most interested to see with all of these mobile or pocket editions is how they financially become viable for these companies. Oh, I mean, Fortnite has already sold $1.5 million worth of content in three days. But that's because it has that in-game cosmetic shit. Mm -hmm. And you you buy it on the mobile platform. You see it. It shows up on your PC. It shows up on your console. Mm -hmm. Whereas PUBG's monetization is all around you buy the game for 40 bucks. How are they, like, what is their mobile platform and mobile strategy? When it's now mm-hmm. offered for free on mobile, do they now introduce a cosmetic item system? I don't know too much about PUBG, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't already have that feature. Well, here's the thing. It couldn't really be cosmetic because when you, it starts off with you in a plane jumping off the plane into onto the map. And when you do that, you have underwear on, and that's all you have. Oh, yeah, that's right, because you're collecting everything. And also, you have to, cl- if you're dressed as a stupid, crazy flamingo, you would stand out like a sore thumb, too. Exactly. So, so yeah, how, do they, give you how, does, how does PUBG make money on mobile? Selling your data. Can <laughs> Sell we have access data. to your contacts and photos, please? <laughs> <laughs> PUBG needs access to your location. PUBG needs access to your camera. <laughs> PUBG needs access to everything. Uh, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good point. I hadn't actually thought too much about that. Yeah. Or maybe they just kind of view it as, hey... You can try PUBG out in this limited way. Limited being like it's the full game, but it's, you know, mobile. Sure. And if you want to experience the full PUBG, then you buy the PC or console version. So it's kind of like a tease. I don't know. Yeah, like a tease. Like a big old tease. A little tease. tease. Are there any other console games that have come to to mobile? We have like Witness, Bioshock. um, Which they took down. Thomas was was alone. Yeah. Witness works really well on mobile just because it's 
you're drawing line puzzles. Like it right. just works super well. Um, actually, I think it's better on mobile because you can take a screenshot and then on an iPad you can just pull up the screenshot and draw on the screenshot to yeah. figure out the puzzle solution. And then you go back to the game and solve the puzzle. Yeah, it's kind of great for that. Do you know what was surprising to me though? There's what's a. That? Do you know what's now has a pocket edition on mobile, and I had no idea about this. What? What is Thumper. it? Thumper. Oh yeah, I knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like four ninety nine or something like that. Apparently, yeah. it's also like it is a different game. It's not the same exact ten levels. Mm-hmm. They're like different for mobile, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and that's them doing it right. In fact, yeah. I'm buying it right now. Uh, like as I'm talking to you, I'm typing <laughs> Thumper into the app store because I forgot about it. Thumper Pocket and you love Edition. Thumper. I fucking love Thumper. Three ninety nine. Fuck yeah, I'll buy that. Editor's Choice. Rhythm Violence is the genre. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Bought it. It's downloading. So there's that. So I think I think the kind of the, what I'm we're kind of getting at here is that the future of mobile games is games continuing to experiment and utilize the the uniqueness of a smartphone. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to predict what kind of games we're going to see in the future because it's really just kind of whatever wild idea someone just spontaneously comes up with. Yeah. It's not as clear-cut as, well, you know, like we were talking about future of gaming, you're talking about streaming of games over over 5G networks, and every system is going to be like the Switch. It's like a handheld hybrid thing instead. Like, it's easier to predict, I would think. Mobile is kind of more random. But there are some negative things about mobile that's already proven true that really bothers me. One of them you already mentioned. Bioshock's not on the store anymore. Yeah, and that's actually exactly what I want to talk about right now. So... I'm just trying to find this article. I read this article a few months ago, and it wasn't a news story, so I don't really ever include it in the podcast. But it's worth mentioning now. I could not find it again, but the gist of the article is back in like 2009 or so, a few years after the App Store had come out, a gaming publication made a top 50 list of the best top 50 mobile games. And only 10 of them are still in the App Store. Yeah. Only 10 of them. And there's many reasons for that. It could be like Bioshock, where the developer said, this game sucks, we're taking it off. Yep. We can we can just remove the game off the App Store, and then no one has access to it ever again. You can't sideload games onto an iPhone very easily. I'm sure on Android, if you can kind of put a homebrew on there, it's easier, but iPhone doesn't necessarily work that way. So you could lose access to the stuff. Yep. But it could also just be, you know, hey, um, we're cutting off 32-bit support. Right. In any game yeah. that's not 32-bit, it scrapped it. We're getting removed. And the developer says, well, shit, I have 50 games that I've released in the App Store. I don't have time to go through all these games to update them all. And they're just lost to history. Yeah. Or if that developer no longer exists. Exactly, I mean, yeah. If you, if you get like a PS4 game or a Xbox 360 game or something like that, and the developer goes under, their game is still on shelves. It's mm-hmm. still on the Xbox Store. Mm-hmm. But... If a developer goes under and they don't update their app in the App Store, it's gone. It's gone. And this happened to a game of mine called Blocked, which I really enjoyed. It was a really well-refined version of those move the little blocks out of the way to get your block through. Okay, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Have you played those games before? Yeah. It's called Blocked. It was a really polished version of one of those games. It's a great little art style to it. Gone forever. I can't even go to my purchase history and download it again. Yep. Very upsetting. Just like PT. Just like PT, yeah. So it can happen on consoles, but it's definitely much more of an issue on Google Play and the App Store. Yep. I think that's kind of the dark side is I think that game preservation is going to be harder on mobile, which I think 
is important for mobile because, like we just said, there's a lot more experimentation that's happening on mobile and trying new things out, and some of that stuff could just be lost forever. Some of it should. <laughs> yeah, most but of also, it should. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's definitely something we'll have to figure out as an industry. As an industry, yes, mobile is probably the hardest of all of the different outlets of how do we preserve it. But absolutely, I mean, there are probably hundreds of thousands of games in the app store. Yeah. Actually, there's probably more than a million at this point. Let's look it up. Can we distinguish it that way? I don't know. I I think they've like at some kind of press conferences or keynote been like a like games a while make up sixty percent of our store, which is why they now have a new section in the app store. I don't think they said how many though. I think they said like a I number think they said like a, that. A percentage. Yeah. Which but, if we know the percentage and we know how many apps there are. Well, they haven't said the amount of apps in a long time, but I know that. The last time they talked about it, I think they said 2 million apps. Number of available apps in the iTunes App Store from 2008 to 2017. Well, that doesn't sound right. That says 2,338. That's very wrong. Oh, well. (laughs) Point is, a lot. Apple's been lying this whole time by many, many, many times. As of March 9th, 2016, there's an article on Gamasutra that says... Over 500 games now submitted to iOS App Store every day. Jeez. I mean, that's more than you used to get in a whole console life cycle. Yep. A while ago, at least. Yep. That's amazing. That is amazing. That's so amazing. So that's mobile gaming. I'm excited to play Thumper and let everyone know what I think of Thumper. Yeah, I'm curious what you think as well. I need to play Far Cry 4, so... <laughs> yes, reminder. <laughs> we don't have any subscriber interrogatives this week, so tweet us your quest quest. Um, and Far Cry 4 is this week's, this month's barf, which will be next week's episode. And neither of us have started it, so... <laughs> Surprise! It'll happen. It'll happen, we I mean, promise. yes, it'll happen. It'll happen. I have a lot of time off work. I'm getting my wisdom teeth removed, so I have some days to just sit on the couch and wish I wasn't alive. Speaking of that, is that going to affect when we record next week at all? Maybe. I'm getting them out on Saturday. I'm thinking I'll be able to talk by Tuesday night. If not, this episode next week might be a a little late. It'll be very late at that point. How do you know that? Because scheduling. Scheduling. Oh, my God. It won't come out until at least Friday at that point, probably. Oh, my God. It's oh still God. March. It's still okay. March, technically. That counts yeah. as March barf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to Respawn Aim Fire this week. Until next week, put your phone up to your face because I'm about to kiss it. Uh, bye bye.